When asked about President Trump's Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, during an interview with CBS News this morning, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said he will fight the nomination with everything he's got, which means he should probably be confirmed by this time tomorrow. The Trump Report starts now. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Trump Report. We are going to be talking about Here Comes the Judge. I'm Christian Blatt, back after a week off. Hope everybody enjoyed celebrating America. Whether you love it or hate it, you can celebrate it. That's fine. We welcome all here on the Trump Report. And as I said, I'm Christian Blatt. Joined uh, for the f- our first timer here on the panel, Steve Kaufman or Kaufman? I realized um, I didn't ask that. And- Kaufman because I'm at least third generation German. Yeah. Okay. So if your grandfather said, the way your grandfather says it is yeah. the way it is. Right. And okay. I, I, I was always taught the fact you could love it or hate it is why it's America. Yeah. Well, my grandfather, it's not a good judge because he calls <laughs> Italians eye ties. So obviously, you know, it's not where we're going to go. And on the other end of the desk, the one, the only Chelsea Galicia. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. Uh, and uh, we'll get some of our regulars back next week, but we're glad that uh, Steve was able to uh, answer the bat signal on short notice. Uh, for those who do or don't know, uh, Chelsea, we often refer to you as a recovering lawyer, but I feel like the recovery is not going well. You know, I, I have suffered a relapse. Yeah, you've definitely relapsed. So, but it's, uh, I've kept it to like a hobby or like I would say a after hours. Um, it's a addiction. I, it's an addiction an after five, right? Uh, so it's a controlled addiction. So it's like how people are social drinkers. Exactly. You know, okay. you, yes. it's not I'm, really a I'm problem. A social you're a social lawyer. You're a part-time yeah. lawyer. Fortunately yeah. for us, uh, you know, somebody in the chat might say you're a socialist lawyer. I'm just saying that somebody <laughs> in the chat might not going to say who that is. A democratic socialist right. lawyer. Thank you. Must be yeah, correct. Because with your words. to some people, that term socialist is an insult. But uh, Chelsea would say. Um, it's Thank not you. insult, it's just an inaccurate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but we because, care about accuracy. Because <laughs> of your background, I would like to ask you about Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, we can certainly get plenty of opinion, but uh, yeah. let's start with some facts. Okay. Ooh, I love Some those. reading, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, who is this guy? He is a Yale guy, which, like everybody else on the court, is either a Yale or a Harvard guy. So much for, you know, diversity. I was thinking, you know, Trump might go out on the limb and get somebody from, like, an unaccredited law school or something. That would be <laughs> very Trump. University, Trump. perhaps? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> See? See, it's a, how can you say it's a failure? Right. So, um, I mean, surprise, not surprised, you know, this was on the short list by the Federalists, who is this group that say they're very committed to the letter of the law and the Constitution, which I love that you take issue with that because there's lots to take issue with. Like the word internet did not exist at the time that the Constitution or the amendments were drafted. Well, I mean, the word electricity. Let's, well, you know, we'll take it a few steps back before internet. Yeah, there's a lot of things that so uh, they weren't able to factor in. Strict constructionist who only looks at the letter of the law and the Constitution and applies that to modern day law. Is yeah, because you do have the people so. who just view the Bill of Rights. Like, they're like, oh, the first Ten Amendments were good, but man, they sold out after that. So, uh, obviously. What were you going to say, Steve? Well, but my issue with anyone who tells me that they want to follow the Constitution by the by the way it was written never understood the Constitution. Because the Constitution <laughs> was written ambiguously because they couldn't possibly, they knew they couldn't possibly foresee a world with electricity and internet and cars and worldwide war in America as a world superpower and then everyone being able to communicate within seconds. So the letter of, like, the Constitution is written is useless. 
Right. And so then the argument, you know, by people who say, I like, you know, judges who just look at the law, interpret the law and don't write their own law, you know, have this extreme point where it's either we look at the exact words in the Constitution and follow those or judges are making up their own law. And there's not something in between where they're interpreting this, you know, 240 Mm. some odd years ago by some standards is an ancient text, mm-hmm. right? So how do you apply this like, ancient <laughs> text to like our modern legal challenges? You know, so that's why I think that I love that you take issue with that, even as a non-lawyer, <laughs> and hopefully see that there are like shades of gray in this like, you know, strict construction versus uh, judges who just are making up the law themselves. There is, you know, much... Um, but I think space in the but middle. But I think the the fact that that's the two sides is part of my problem is that the, the fact that oh judges are either reading the Constitution literally or they're making it up. Well, no, like, is a complete fabrication. Liberals I'm not don't sa- say that the judges oh, yeah. should be making it up. The conservatives Conservative, are saying that's what, that that's what happens. So be that as it may. So that's. Um, you know, one fart. Oh, no, that statement to me is wow. <laughs> Did you just say fart on the show? Chelsea, what has happened to you? I don't know. And I am going to, you know, pretty soon talk about anal sex with respect to this um, analysis sorry, did that I, I have. On, did I sit on the wrong show today? I, am I, I'm, no, I'm a little I, confused. I really, no, this I, is The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that, prequel. that my conversation about the makeup of what will soon be the court deserved a little discussion of the Fourth Amendment. And I understand that for some people that might be a little dry. So I thought I would include some subject matter about the Fourth Amendment and what it covers so that people might be interested. And part of that does include what you can do in the privacy of your own home uh, with another consenting adult. And sometimes the problems with that is that that is also dry. Steve, when you heard (laughs) about... uh, I knew, I saw the the wheels in your mind moving? They were moving very slow. Yeah. They were moving very slow. It was sort of very obvious, and uh, I almost stopped myself, but you know me. I, I can't. Uh, so the little bit that you've heard, I mean, I, look, I think that there are certainly people who had heard uh, Kavanaugh's name around before, but uh, so you hear about this nominee, you've had, what, we've had almost uh, 12 hours now to soak in who he is. Uh, what are you, what are sort of your gut reactions when you hear about this guy? Um, personal from... From us, from me that wants the the Trump machine to fail a little, I disagree with everyone this morning who's saying that he's the most confirmable of the three. I thought Amy Whatserface was <laughs> was the least confirm. What, they're saying that he's the least confirmable. He's the least confirmable. He's the, the people okay. this morning have all, all so, been saying he's the least confirmable because he has the most decisions right. in the book. What they're forgetting is what they're forgetting is that there's a majority, so that doesn't actually matter. Whereas the woman, the woman who was also the youngest of the yeah, three. Yeah, and yesterday. all I remember is that her name is Amy as well. And so. that he, she was an appointee from Donald Trump within yeah. two years ago. Within two years, and I thought she would be a political move that would have backfired. Yeah, in the sense that she would have never gotten confirmed. Yeah, she would it's never gotten like... confirmed, and then it would have made it to the election, and then the base would have turned out for the election. So right. Like, oh, we got a, we got a, we a Supreme Court seats at stake. Right, exactly. And I, I think the uh, obviously Democrats have the hope that uh, somehow uh, this uh, hearing would drag on beyond that. But uh, they my little 
my little uh, pot shot at uh, Chuck Schumer in the open. Uh, there's not really much they can do about this. They can complain about it all they want. That's true. They can they... ask Mitch McConnell, hey, you said in the year of an election you shouldn't confirm a nominee. But you do know what his answer is, is that that was a presidential election. So that's already what yeah. he said. He, well, so, I mean, and look, <laughs> I'm certainly not defensing, uh, defending Mitch McConnell, but that's what he said. So that's already his stance on it. It's like that's a presidential election. That's very different it's as a, far as he's concerned. It's a, it's a distinction without a difference or a difference without a distinction. One well, of the, one of the same. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, explain, that explains Mitch McConnell pretty well to me. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, he wants what he wants and he'll change the rules to make it happen what he like to make it happen however he wants it. And defend. Yeah, sure. And I mean, look, uh, obviously you end up in a situation like this uh, because of uh, precedent. And, uh, you know, I don't think uh, Harry Reid really did uh, Democrats any favors, uh, you know, playing some fast and loose with some rules uh, back in his day. And then, uh, you know, but like everybody does it. Obviously. At the time, there it was a stalemate. There was no way to get anything yeah. done, yeah. and so we felt that this was the only way to allow government to move forward. And to give Harry Reid and Obama some credit at that time, the stalemate was because the Democrats tried to work with Republicans, and the Republicans just thwarted them at every cost. That right. they were like, "Well, we have a majority. We tried. Yeah, let's get let's keep the government moving." Whereas that doesn't happen. Like I don't see that happening today. The, the Republicans pretty much say, we have the majority, we're going to do it. And the Democrats say, but we're in the room, though. We can get a subcommittee and do the, like, well, whatever. We're just going to pass the stuff. Right. I mean, ultimately, when it comes down to the fact that there will obviously be hearings, uh, you don't really get much out of the hearings. I mean, apart from... Clarence Thomas and the pubic hair on the Coke can. I mean, honestly, there, I, I, you know, and then I guess Judge Bork before that. You don't get much out of these hearings. They give the most bland, safe, noncommittal answers, and you're just like, you know, if you go based on what everybody says, it's like, oh well, then obviously everybody will uphold the letter of the law because they all they're all going to say the right things. It's it's like a really bad blind date. You know, you're going to sit down. And you're going to obviously put your uh, you're going to put your best foot forward. I was going to make a comment about swiping right, but that's I actually don't know. Is that when you like someone or is it when you don't like? That's someone? when you like someone. That's when you like someone. All right, good. I'm glad you knew. <laughs> so yeah, so they're going to just try and see if maybe just maybe somebody dreamy like Chuck Schumer will swipe right on you. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I mean, do you think Chelsea? that really the the hearings are actually going to yield anything other than on both sides political posturing no there's going to be a lot of like well you know uh, you know people that are going to be up for re-election in november and people that are looking further down the road they're like well this will this will look good in my commercial i stood up to brett kavanaugh you know yeah I, i i i don't think that this is going to be a big deal i don't think that lisa murkowski or um collins Yes, yeah. are going to are going to do anything surprising, or sh- or maybe we're going to get fifty votes yes, and then Pence is a tiebreaker, you know, whatever. It's, and, it's and, and you know he'll he'll come in he'll come in there to the Rocky theme and uh, obviously Save the, the day. Um, but but I keep I, I kind of just want to put this on the record, conservatives, be careful what you ask for, because mind if I go into my please. So you want to talk about the Fourth Amendment? Yeah. So and. Give us the few word, so you know how like the you know First Amendment, freedom of speech, you know that sort right. of thing. So, what exactly is the Fourth Amendment? Ironically, the thing that the Fourth Amendment represents, the word is not in the actual amendment. So, generally, the way to you know say condense it, what it is, is like privacy. Okay. But the word privacy is nowhere in it. 
let me tell you what I mean, because it says, and it's not long, I promise, it says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So basically, government can't take, uh, come in and take stuff from you without a warrant. They can't unreasonably search you. So what does that have to do with privacy? Is that the whole analysis bends on what somebody has a reasonable expectation of privacy over. And that's how we get all sorts of um, decisions from abortion to who can have what kind of sex to, um, you know, birth control are all uh, constitutionally connected by the Fourth Amendment's um, sort of baked in right to privacy. So let me explain what I mean. Uh, birth control, the, the case was in 1965, Griswold versus Connecticut. The court decided it was the right of a couple to have their own privacy and determine if they want to use birth control. Um, the uh, anti-sodomy laws that I'm referring to, you know, tried to tell people who, that homosexuals couldn't engage in certain kinds of and sex acts. Let me just interju- interrupt for a minute. Are those laws, are, I thought that those were state laws and still on the books in some states. Those were on the, st- they were state laws. Right. And somebody in Texas, ch- Texas, it's only one, thank God, I think I almost pluralized it. <laughs> Texas challenged. Our, our friend Shareable Texas would take umbrage. <laughs> and so would our friend Brooks Elise, who's from Texas. But anyway, go ahead. Challenged the law and the consti- and the, the court said that this is constitutionally invalid because it infringes on somebody's right to privacy um, and also their 14th Amendment due process. So they kind of go hand in hand in a lot of cases. Roe versus Wade. The abortion decision was not decided because the Supreme Court found in the Constitution that there was a right to abortion. They found it because there was a right to privacy between a woman and her doctor to make medical decisions, including those based on pregnancy. So that's the constitutional logic that gave rise to Roe versus Wade and to some extent same-sex marriage. In a lot of these cases that people are concerned about what is this one judge's uh, decisions on those things going to be. But if you take away, if you pull out Roe versus Wade and flip it and say we no longer have a right to abortion, it's not just just that we no longer have a right to abortion. It's that the underlying constitutional logic, the explanation for why we had that right in the first place, will also have to be reversed. So that will mean then that the court will have to say we were wrong on this privacy thing. People don't have this right to privacy. And it will slowly but surely undermine, I kind of envision it in my mind like Jenga pieces, where you pull out case by case. You don't like birth control, you pull that out. You don't like abortion, you pull that out. But soon enough, you're going to really weaken the structures that we have around our privacy protections. And so things like government surveillance might have, on the surface, nothing to do with abortion. But same Fourth Amendment is what protects us from government surveillance or things of that nature. That's not protecting us very well right Hmm. now. Um, But, you know, let's just say uh, somebody takes your, you know, information from social media and hands that over to the government could do that in this, you know, day and age. Would the person taking my information off social media be, I don't know, Facebook? 
Right, a private entity. However, a private entity and these how cozy these corporations are now becoming with the government. It's almost like, you know, a private corporation can be an arm of the government and retrieve this data, you know, on behalf of the government, thereby kind of going around the Constitution. Um, there, what I'm saying is, we are. If you are um, a vote for uh, for Kavanaugh, is a vote to weaken our privacy rights. He has made decisions on warrantless searches um, by the government. Says government data can collect what, you know, is one of those that protects, that sees that the government can in the name of national security. Well, I was going to ask, because that seems to be something that, you know, also our previous president did on, on occasion, you know, would, it's not uh, specifically a partisan issue. It seems to be sort of Whenever you really need to circumvent somebody's rights, you say, well, obviously it's a national security threat. And look, right. sometimes I think it really is. And I think – I don't know. I hear plenty of cases where I'm like, yeah, all right. Well, you know, I, I don't like the precedent, but uh, good that they got this information out of you know this person. Um, well, depending on who you ask, we've never gotten anything from you know torturing anybody or violating somebody's rights. That the, that the information that the government has collected is just so massive that is – too much and overwhelming and has not actually led to any more safe yeah uh, no i do feel security. i do feel bad that uh, khalid sheikh Mohammed didn't have a nice pillow but uh, i'll get over it i think uh so in terms of roe versus wade it's obviously it's something that kavanaugh has been asked about before it is the clip that you see a lot but he wasn't nominated for the Supreme Court right. at He's that like, point. Fact, that. His answers are very specifically like, well, you know, that's the Supreme Court precedent. So I guess, and you know, look, we'll move on from the one issue, but it's, it's obviously the one that seemingly the majority of people are most concerned about. And look, on the conservative side, I know a lot of people who disliked Donald Trump, but they disliked him less than they disliked Hillary Clinton. And the one reason that they didn't stay home and vote is because of the idea that they could get some Supreme Court justices. So for them, this is an important issue for sort of the other side because well, they do want to. why I say they're going to shoot themselves in the foot, be careful what you ask for, is because you take away the 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 strength of the, um, the case on Roe versus Wade, you pull out the privacy. And conservatives all over the place are like, they want to be free to do whatever they want. They don't want government to infringe on their lives. They want to have their own liberties and freedoms and privacy, right? So this sword cuts both ways. If you're going to limit people's access to abortion by undermining their privacy rights, it's also going to come back to bite you. What were you going to say about that, Steve? Um, I will say that there's a separate issue here, which is Will Kavanaugh, like, I believe it's the Ginsburg rule where in hearings, they like Ginsburg decided she would not mention a case that may or may not come up in nomination. So when you ask him about Roe versus Wade and his nomination, he's just going to run out the clock and say, "I don't know, right. I don't know." My, that's as of this moment, I'm a nominee for Supreme Court, and at, at this moment, I'd be giving you an opinion. Yeah, I can just say I'm going to read the case and see what the merits. Right. Well, well this goes like, back to the earlier point that you're not going to get anything. Well, because well, yeah. and it goes back to the early point that nom Supreme Court nominations have become such a useless show that but within the useless show there are some things the democrats can do because under that ginsburg under that ginsburg rule you can also they use that ginsburg rule to also say that any public information that that person had ruled on or ever said is then able to be used in the nomination hearing so correct me if i'm wrong but it was justice kagan 
who was Obama's second appointee. I believe mm-hmm. she was. She yeah. worked in the Clinton White House or the Obama White House. My my data is not perfect, but she worked. At she a worked de- on. She worked under a Democrat. For she sure, worked. So, she worked yeah. under in a Democratic White House, which means everything she said in that White House was in the presidential library and considered public record. Yeah. So that became part of her nomination. I see no reason why what this person said in the Bush White House. If we're putting on a show anyway, and we're all just trying to get, we're all just trying to rally our base to come out. And like, I was tough on this person and voted no for these reasons. Like, if we're going to put on a show, put on a great show. Right. And I think this is some of the stuff you can do to put on a great show in a nomination. And the the point blank question for both of you really is, I I don't see a scenario where he's not named to the Supreme Court. I, you know, I mean, I I don't, I don't think that the the numbers are there. You know, I mean, uh, Chelsea, I think that's sort of what you were saying earlier when you said why the the hearings don't matter that much. I'm resigned. And I, I also have very little hope that Democrats will take control of the Senate come November. So we can they can try and right. Delay and then it. I don't and then just because they they win some elections in November, you know, there's there's still the I mean, whole month of November and all of December that a lot can happen. Unless yeah. somebody comes out and finds some really terrible thing that this guy said or did once. But I don't think people get that upset by, you know, the only person to really suffer for having said something bad in the 2016 presidential election was Billy Bush. He's still not on TV. He's the guy who uh, has, has been made to pay. So I don't know. Uh, he didn't you know, say anything either. It's true. He just he was he, in the he room. Just, yeah, that's, that's a great point. On the bus with a guy He got who in trouble for terrible. not saying something. He just was like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all he ever does. That's all Billy Bush ever did. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so uh, one thing I want to talk about, you know, you had mentioned uh, both Murkowski and Collins came up. I thought it was, uh, speaking of showmanship, uh, President Trump, to the hearing last night, he invited Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins and the three Democrats who voted yes on Neil Gorsuch, who are Connelly. Joe Manchin. Uh, yeah, uh, I almost said Helmkamp. That's uh, <laughs> Heitkamp. Uh, Helmkamp is uh, somebody we used to do the Trump uh, Trump versus Hillary with. And Joe Donnelly. Mm-hmm. So, and none of them, none of them went. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, even... Even Lisa Murkowski, well, you know what, maybe she, maybe she wanted to be watching The Bachelorette, which uh, is sort of a side story that uh, there was a caught up in all the backlash to uh, the pick was uh, that the people watching The Bachelorette and ABC were very upset that uh, this uh, nomination interrupted it. So, you know, <laughs> Yikes. you should really time things around the commercials better, but well, that's all right. I actually have I, – I felt this way with Neil Gorsuch too, aside from the fact he shouldn't have had that nomination. He shouldn't have had that ability. But when he decides to do it 9 p.m. Eastern on a week on, on a Monday night, I actually agree with that. I think more presidents should have some pomp and circumstance in a show to things that are that important. Yeah, no, I mean, That's, Reagan was great at it. And there was one time where I think I think it was ABC got tired of it <laughs> and they didn't air it. And then all of a sudden they found themselves with worse seats in the briefing room. You know, they mm-hmm. definitely were penalized for it. And, you know, uh yeah, pe- there are people who are uh, decent at uh, manipulating the media and kind of getting what they want out of them. So uh, that sounds like President Trump. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I think putting it in a spot where, yeah, that's the first thing I heard when I heard that it was going to be at 9 p.m. Eastern. It's like, all right, yeah, because you're you're getting a primetime show out of it. You well, know? And, and I hate that that's his mentality. Yeah. But I do agree that a Supreme Court justice is a pretty big deal. It yeah. should It should have been. For oh, lack of a better said term, Trump. Um, you, you know the Bachelor, Bachelorette. I don't even know which one it is. I right believe now. it's the Bachelorette, but I also I, I only heard that earlier this morning. So. The one with the rose. But uh, the other thing that I want to <laughs> say that we really want to be careful of is everybody's focusing on past, you know, 
past precedents, a little bit of superfluous there, on, you know, abortion and things like that. But the cases that are to come that have to do with corporate personhood are where, for me, this is not looking good. That his record on consumer protection and, you know, all things individual liberties is very weak and very strong advocate of uh, corporations and their rights of uh, personhood, which really bums me out. That is laughable in um, theory. So I, I just and, – and as corporations get stronger in their rights and individuals and specifically our privacy gets weaker, I think conservatives are going to be like – Holy shnikes, what did I do in supporting somebody so conservative? I thought, you know, I was standing up for, you know, the good Christian values of, you know, no abortion and things like that. But now I have no rights. Not only is the government infringing upon me, but so is um, corporate America. Mm. And then they feel quite stifled in their individual privacy. And I, I think, I don't know, 10, 10 years and they'll be coming to regret their choice. Eh, don't. Don't ever discount the Republicans' ability to blame the Democrats for everything that's currently True. wrong. Yes. They're, right. I mean, that's, they're incredible at that. Sure. I mean, it's sort of an intrinsic, uh, reflexive thing like that Harley you're, you're always going to blame the uh, the other party. But uh, yeah, Harley Davidson is somehow Obama's fault. I don't know how they'll find a way to make that <laughs> Obama's fault. Right. Like and it's it's the most artful thing I've ever seen. Yeah. No. <laughs> like, no. no. I, I on just a pure merit based. I have respect. Or <laughs> it's like that's kind of ridiculous. Like, you're well, no, amazing. I mean, like, there's there's definitely sort of a, a lot of that, you know, reluctant. Like, you have to kind of tip your <laughs> tip your uh, your red hat sometimes, <laughs> and you're just like, well, I don't know if I like what's going on here, but uh, he definitely he definitely worked this whole thing. Right. You know, getting to be president in the first place, you're just like, you know, literally everyone said that you couldn't do it, so. Uh, it's really just a consistent, what, almost two years now of just telling him he can't do things. Um, I did want to uh, move on to another legal topic, uh, and that is how Rudy Giuliani says oh, that uh, Michael Cohen should cooperate with prosecutors. Um, every time Rudy says something, I'm just like, did anyone vet what you said? Like, Who, who's left to vet? Well, I mean, anybody <laughs> No, I mean anybody at, you know, I mean, Rudy anybody Ju- in the president's office... And the fact that Rudy's still there. If Rudy Giuliani's your legal counsel, yeah. I think most of the intelligent people have left. <laughs> the, you, you're down to Rudy. Like, that he can't be your first choice as a lawyer. He's no well, one's fifth He cho- clearly like, wasn't because yeah, like, he's getting a job, you know, sort of, I, I don't know. I mean, he's getting a, a job two years in, basically. He interviewed for that job on Fox News. Yeah. So, like, it's, <laughs> I don't know, like, to, is anyone vetting him is the question? No. No one's left. I mean, he thinks that he's just saying, yes, of course, cooperate with prosecutors because we have nothing to hide. Um, I don't know. Does Giuliani not? Is he not in on the truth? Like he doesn't. Well, that's the thing is, I think that, you know, he he was away from the party for a little while. And I don't mean the party of the GOP. I mean, he's away from the the Trump party. You know, he was off doing. uh, Well, (laughs) if you read the New York Post, you know exactly what he was up to. But (laughs) he wasn't uh, doing anything professional. So I think that uh, he's probably there because he has plausible deniability on a lot of stuff. Because he's just like, yeah, of course that'll happen. Because he doesn't know. Mm. It, it, maybe that's why he's there, to, to be kept in the dark. And like, yeah, you weren't here. You have no idea what was going I on. I think it was point. a very interesting statement for uh, Cohen to come out and say, my loyalty is to my wife and my kids and country over party. Uh, I, I, I have to read into that only because 
most people just at this stage just shut up and they're they're quiet. So if they say anything, especially something like that, that's definitely mm. getting my one eyebrow up. I, I don't I don't think it was just an off the cuff statement. No, I mean I think that that was a very carefully worded statement that uh, you know it's definitely a message to uh, the, to some obvious people what he was trying to say there. You know, so. and so then does this uh, I don't know if this the pardoning of these two guys. And Oregon has any is any more of like look at the strength of my pardoning power. I Just wave it like a little carrot. I, I try as much as I want to to put a lot of stock in the impeachment business. I understand. Well, that. you would get along with Scott, who's usually here that's, on the but show. But that's a he's, fantasy. He's got, I understand. Yeah, he's got a countdown clock. That, but it's uh, a complete fantasy. Yes, because impeachment is not a legal or criminal decision; it's a political one. And, and Trump and they, already won that game. And yeah, and Democrats don't have the makeup with which to do that. You know, no, I think like, that's the main reason why you hear, you know, your your truck schumers and everybody saying like, "We're not going to do that now," because I, they know they can't actually I, do it. I would slightly disagree okay. with you, only to the extent that there are some very legally sound uh, grounds on which to impeach him. Emoluments, the self-dealings. Uh, oh, I am so in complete Lots agreement. of corruption. To be, it's just what Christian's saying, the numbers. You don't have the numbers in the House to impeach and then in the Senate to sort of confirm impeachment and actually which make Which doesn't him. make it a legal pro- Like, it doesn't make it a legal process. And then even if that does happen or even if they subpoena him, even if any, like, they try to prosecute him, he, like... It's never been tested. He could pardon himself. He like, could. Or, you know, Kavanaugh he, wrote a piece at one point in some decision mm. saying that the Congress may want to look into uh, shielding the president from any indictment or investigation. Which was a flop from when he was on the Star investigation and felt that you should totally investigate the president. So Kavanaugh's got a lot to answer to that he's not going to. Yeah, there's, like, there, no, there's very little that he'll uh, actually answer to. Um, before we run out of time, Chelsea, I know that there was ooh. something else you wanted to talk about, uh, yeah. which was a, a deadline that we had today. And, yeah. yeah mm. so, I know. We've, so all, what that we've is. all become very excited or enraged, depending on where you stand, by the Supreme Court nomination. But there are still somewhat like 3,000 kids that are separated from their parents. And there was an, a deadline by a court today that they were supposed to return all children under five years old, which are about 104 of them. And it is the day of the deadline and only half of them have been returned. So the court said, yeah, we need to extend it because it's not feasible for the government to return them all. They've lost track of some parents because parents have been, you know, uh, deported or released. And which goes to show that Alex Azar, Human Health and Service Secretary, when he said, oh, yeah, I can find any person right away in my database, was just flat out lying, uh, and I. Yeah, although I mean, that, although that is really, that is an on the job lie. I mean, I think we've all said that. Oh yeah, I can absolutely get that done. Even when you're like, oh, there's no way I can get that. Done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, obviously there are. Uh, you could look at it as in like, hey, they got half of them, you know, because I think there might have been people that thought uh, that no, that they were going to get, get half, none of them. If you get half in school, that's it's, a D. That yeah, is not passing. You know, I did and, get a lot of D's in school, so I'm just going to have to take your word for it because if it seems we like it's are passing. the administration of law and order, if the judge says return the kids by July 10th, 
you return the kids by July 10th, or you do not claim to be the administration of law and order. So you're saying that this administration is acting hypocritically for the first time (laughs) in, in, in the terms of being there? She got him. She uncovered it. He finally figured it out. Yeah, this is the this is the first time he's been on record. We'll start keeping a tally. We'll keep it on the big board here, like we're uh, having a telethon. Uh, so, what was the uh, deadline extended to? Do you did or they they're looking into that still? Yes, and then there's still the older kids to contend with. Yeah, they just went with the the under five because that is obviously the uh, you know sort of the the, the most egregious mm. i guess and then there was a report i think this was last week about you know the what the toddler who was returned to his mother and he was infested with lice so uh, obviously you know i think maybe it said that he hadn't been showered or something like that so uh, there's obviously a lot of questions for how this is uh, being handled but uh, what do, you, do what do you see as a fix chelsea other than you know impeachment and you know things like that, but like oh, for, fix for everything, re, yeah, yeah, just no the fix for this one okay. issue, yeah, yeah, because that that sort of yeah, I mean it's not like Pence is going to make anything any better anyway. So I mean, all hands on deck on t- t- taking care of these kids and reuniting them uh, with the with their their parents. I I think I, I I don't know what would it take. It should be such a priority that Trump should not meet with Putin. Um, you know, not even argue with 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 NATO, which, by the way, I don't know why is tell me if I'm crazy for believing this. I know Trump is really upset that not all the participating countries in NATO pay their two percent GDP towards military. But if you are so upset about that and that we're paying more, we're paying three point five percent of our GDP. Can not we just say we have a budget? We are responsible fiscal country and two percent of our GDP is X number of dollars and we will put X number of dollars towards it. And not a penny over. And if somebody else wants to step up to the plate and make up the difference, great. If not, we have a little bit less um, military presence. I mean, rather than bully everybody and and, and say, pay your 2% when the 2% is actually a goal, not an obligation. So uh, why can't we just stop overspending? <laughs> Well, I mean that's a that's a question that goes back to uh, I don't know when did this country start. So well, uh, I'm going to say I guess what 242 years. I but think like that's how do you... how, yeah. How do we stop overspending? They they're just not capable of it. What well, were you going to say, Steve? Well, I was going to I was going to make a pun about oh, well we do. we overspend on the military so we can up employment <laughs> in the military and then when they get back we just don't take care of them. That's the American tradition. Like that's not yeah. a new thing we do. But, but that's I I agree that he clearly doesn't want to deal with NATO. Like, a rational, actual dealmaker and negotiator would have walked in there and said, 2%, we're out. He, didn't, he doesn't want to deal with NATO. He doesn't know how to, like, take I, a nuanced stance I'm, on this. I'm starting to believe that he is just finding a path out of NATO. I... Well, I, I think that uh, those tea leaves are definitely there. Then I mean, he's going he's gonna to create a, uh, an alliance with Russia. Well, that was what I was going to say to your earlier point about how he shouldn't take the time to meet with Putin. I do think that when your boss tells you that you have to sit down with him, you, you're not going to you're not able to say no. So if Putin has summoned him back to the homeland, <laughs> obviously that's where he uh, needs to be. Uh, in the chat, our friend R. Scott Brown pointed out back to Rudy Giuliani says that uh, Rudy is Trump's last defense. <laughs> when the cuffs come out, Trump will say he was represented poorly by the parentheses mentally deficient Giuliani. So uh, obviously, and uh, the demonot is also suggesting we could just leave NATO. 
Uh, why? And he says it would be great if the U.S. left NATO. That's, I would, well, I would, you can I tell would, us why it's great. Yeah, uh, I mean, NATO has helped us in uh, after 9-11 uh, go into Afghanistan. And it's, you know, it's been said it's a worthy investment for us um, to invest in the security of, of Europe. Um, so I would love to hear why it would I'm, be great if the U.S. left NATO. Well, I think NATO's been around. get an answer. NATO's been around long enough that I think to make it so binary is like we need to stay in NATO or leave NATO is a terrible way to approach it. I think binary decisions are probably not a good way to approach very many things. <laughs> like, like including... let's look at if we don't like how much we are spending, why don't we just cut back our own spending? Mm-hmm. Well, what about the the specific comment that uh, President Trump made that uh, you know, well this that you know, he feels like the European Union, this is not specifically NATO, but was set up to take advantage of the United States to ta- attack our piggy bank. And uh, it's, uh, you know, that is uh, the, what was it, the ambassador to Estonia uh, resigned over those comments, uh, which, you know, I might know some people in the State Department, uh, might know a few who uh, are, are, you know, resigning in much smaller positions because it's just uh, too infuriating. Uh, do you think that... Uh, what would you, what sort of impact do you think that comments like that have not here at home but uh, around the rest of the world Steve I think they have a lot of impact and I think America has been its own bubble that if like that if I'm traveling abroad like privately I may consider just having a Canadian flag on my backpack <laughs> well, I, I, know, like, I mean I, and I'm like America through and through like I get it and like part like but at the same time like I just don't want to put up with the international stink we have and have had for a long time for a very long time like internationally we're not as regarded as like we are now like internationally we're considered either jersey shore or like red hats the only people who believe trump when trump says now the world respects us are the people who have not left the country well if you have left the country before trump and after trump and believe what trump is saying I I I I'd like to hear why. Although I would still may argue that you're. I think it's a fairly consistent uh, outlook. You know, I think there were certainly people around the world that liked Obama, but you know, I don't. I think that you know, when you go back, basically this century, I don't. I, I think to Steve's point. I mean, I remember I. I backpacked through Europe. It was the year 2000, and uh, there were even that year. There, mm. This is before the election. This even that year, there were uh, people backpacking with uh, Canadian patches on their backpacks because I guess somewhere that was the advice. Like you just don't want the headaches. And uh, I, don't, I just I just flew no flags, man. That's not what I'm about. But they they'll look at you and know you're American, though. Well, so that you have to. It's but I could to talk. Fly the look, wrong I flag. could talk a boot hockey <laughs> as much as anybody. All right. I love Alanis Morissette. Anyway, um, there's, uh, again, only a few more minutes, which is uh, so often Europe what happens. Europe has the capability of taking care of themselves. U.S. does not need to protect European nations. Was this the yeah, Demonaut explanation? This is Demonaut. Um, Demonaut, you're, well, per- you're a great we, person for watching okay. the show. Uh, that but feels but a little oversimplified. That, that's do the we best want, part of the show s- is the disagreement. So wait, let's actually read the comment because you sort of like half read it. Europe uh, has the capability of taking care of themselves. U.S. does not need to protect European nations. That's not necessarily what NATO's about. Well, NATO is about right. cohesiveness among most world, pa- world uh, powers to keep peace. And it also obligates... European countries to help us out. Mm-hmm. It's not just about them. 
Yeah. That's what the Article 5 is as an attack on one is an attack on all. That includes us. So that's what I'm saying, that it was a benefit to Right, us but I, I think to a lot of people uh, th- who are opposed to NATO, and it, it must be what the demonon is saying, is they do feel like it is a one-way street. Sure, on paper, they're there to help us out. Maybe they just feel like we're not getting helped uh, nearly enough. You know, we're always helping them move. We're always carrying that's... the couch. Who's helped us move lately? Who's helped us move our When couch? have we moved? We've been the one. We're, That's true. We haven't really gone anywhere, have we? Yeah, like we've we we're where we are, and then we so, keep we keep making a bunch. I, of... I understand if you you feel like you're pouring all this money in. Well, stop pouring so much money in. But that doesn't mean that you sh- need to get all the way out. Mm-hmm. Just meet your obligation and don't go beyond that. Yeah. Uh, I I want to get this in here uh, before we run out of time, and uh, there are uh, rumors that. Uh, unsurprising to most of us Hillary Clinton planning on a big 2020 comeback unsurprising I am not surprised at all because I I think I said that every time that she says she's done this was my I was just like I'm more convinced can she get that Netflix deal Obama got a Netflix deal. Can <laughs> they pay her more, like one dollar more well, than Obama, and that, give her a Netflix deal? I was just going to say, if you hear that, and and you're Republican or Donald Trump, who you know some people say is a Republican, uh, you're just like, oh yeah, please God, yes, please, please come back, Hillary, run again, <laughs> because uh, you know I think that uh, that just shows if, if she were to actually run and she were to get the support of the party, it would be clear that they didn't learn anything. From 2016. I mean, I think there are a lot more people that are, I don't know about more qualified, but they at least have a better chance uh, of, of getting elected. I think you've seen how that went. And, you know, sorry for Mrs. Clinton, but fairly sure that not fairly sure that that time is definitely behind you. Mm-hmm. Your your turn, you did get leapfrogged by Obama. That was when you it was supposed to be your turn. Maybe you would have won then. But once that happened, you it, it clearly wasn't going to happen for you. Um I, I don't know. I think that uh and and Chelsea I'll uh, go to you first, but ch- you know, is, is for other than for her ego, I can't imagine any reason why she would run. Like she has to know she's not the best person. I mean, she doesn't, but she should know. <laughs> um, I I, th- I think that you're right in that the establishment has clearly not learned their lesson or do not want to see what's happening. Um, at this point in time, I think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has a better shot of being president, and she hasn't even been elected to Congress. No, she's actually <laughs> no. 28. Yeah, so I, I, so she's, but you know what? She still has a better chance than, uh, or at least at, at some point, uh, being elected president. Yeah. And it's just, it's just sad, you know, when you know, for anybody who has a soft spot for Hillary, and look, there's probably a lot of people watching that don't, but. It's just like, oh, really? You know what? what? They should just put her somewhere where she thinks she's running for president, you know? I, you could do like a Truman show. You just kind of drive her around a soundstage and you think she's giving speeches. It's rough. She needs to learn that this isn't going to happen. Yeah. That we, she And like also... I, I don't I, care about her learning. It's the Democratic establishment right. she, party machine that is gonna, giving her any idea that that's a good idea who hasn't learned their but lesson. Then they need to stop placating her so she can learn that like her, she was never that popular. It always felt... It it kind of felt like a like a king's rule. Like we all kind of, I wasn't super on board with her. I was a very much a Bernie leftist in the sense that I had this comparison at the time, which was before Trump got the Republican nomination. I kind of wanted the Democratic Party to fall apart, so that a candidate like Bernie Sanders 
could actually just run as Bernie Sanders, not with the Democratic Party that seems to be in a bit of a mess. Whereas now with Trump as president, I my my analogy for the Democratic Party is like if your football team is a Super Bowl team, but or sorry, is a playoff team, but not a Super Bowl team. And everyone's calling for the head coach's head. Right. If you fire the head coach, you're going to not be a playoff team for 10 years <laughs> in hopes you'll eventually be a Super Bowl team. That's how I feel about the Democratic Party. <laughs> that we, I want it to fail. I want I want to cut the head off of it and then like see like see Let something rise from see, the ashes and like see the actual. I I refrain from saying the socialist Democrat only because other people turn that around. But like progressive or far left liberal candidates, I want them to have a chance to truly speak to people the way Bernie did. The way I, I'm not going to pronounce her name, Acacia. Uh huh. Okay. Well, then. The, so look, you are going to pronounce it. I am going to pronounce <laughs> it right. Job. But like the way those people are actually reaching their constituents and running on issues, and it needs, it might just need ground roots and a, a hard reset. But we can't have that because who the president is. Yeah, I mean, look, there was a, there was something about Hillary running that was reminiscent of, I would say, John McCain and Bob Dole, two people that was like, "Well, it's your turn now." And it was just like it wasn't her turn anymore. And I think that you're thinking about the Democratic Party basically, you know, collapsing probably felt more more of it was more of a comforting idea when the alternative wasn't Donald Trump. Like when I know it was Mitt Romney when it was, when it was yeah. Ted Cruz, eh, Ted Cruz. Oh, maybe God. not Ted Cruz, but, you know, I, <laughs> I was going to say Rob Portman, but uh, I don't think that... Uh, Wrong country. Was, was a heart, no, that's, that's, a, that's a senator. I know who I'm talking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about the... About Justin Trudeau with the fake eyebrows? No, no I thought you were talking about the um, Portman, the the mayor of the Canadian... I can't even remember. It was oh, in Ontario. Um, that was... Uh, Rob Ford? No, yeah. that can't be it. <laughs> Rob Ford would have... Would have uh, look, that would have, <laughs> that would have been a fun president. He was pretty popular. I'm just he saying, was... He, was, he was very popular uh, with the... Name with recognition. The, just think, Rob Portman... Uh, not Rob Portman. Rob Ford would have been great for uh, relations <laughs> with Colombia and Bolivia. <laughs> you know, there's just some country... Marion Barry would be in the White House. Anyway, um, so... But I feel like, anyway, that that's... Uh, and that's what we'll wind up with, is like that... All of a sudden, is like, oh no, no, we can't blow up uh, the party. At least not right now. Mm. We have to blow it up a little later. You know, when there's uh, when it, it's not uh, the when, stakes aren't. The year we don't just... make the super. The year we don't make the playoffs is when we fire the head coach. Because <laughs> yeah. then, what's the difference? Or it could just have an epiphany, an awakening, without having to be destroyed, without having <sighs> to hit rock bottom. But we shall see what but, they choose to do. That's not going to happen if Hillary wants to run again. Well, Hillary can do whatever she wants to do. She can decide to run, not whatever. Or if Kamala I think Harris gets a nod, the, just cause. The more important thing is what is the party machine uh, supporting? Yeah, and I think that uh, there's still enough people that, uh, you know, they feel like they owe that family. There's probably, I don't know, manila envelopes with uh, photographs that could be placed on people's desks. So they're like, oh, yeah, we're definitely for Hillary. You know, just <laughs> all sorts of levels like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, they're able to uh, generate a lot of money. And I don't know. I just I saw that story and I was just uh, I was just like, oh, what is what is wrong with her? Well, there's so much. I, and there's I, not enough I don't time. Think it's we're not, out of time. It's it sounds not like you've about... described Bill Belichick. To bring it back to a sports analogy. All right. Go ahead. No, no, what are you I wanted to give you the final word. I was oh, letting no, you have it. Sorry. No, I was just I, I was just I don't want to make this about Hillary. I don't want to no, knock it sh- her No, and personally. it shouldn't be 
but you know, look, there's a lot of reasons why. I, I, I look, I don't know how old she is. I just know she keeps falling down. I know she doesn't look like she's doing well, and it, it's it's enough already. You know, I mean, it is ten years past the point where you seemed like a viable candidate for president. I mean, in 2016, the only reason she seemed like a viable candidate is like, well, she's going against Donald Trump. Who could possibly lose that election? And we have our answer. Uh, anyway, uh, let us know uh, if you're uh, watching the show after the fact. You can uh, leave comments in the chat. Thanks for everybody who was in the live chat. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. And check out Marvel TV Weekly Sundays at 10 p.m. <laughs> Pacific right here on AfterBuzz. And Steve, where do people find you and uh, what, where do they find you on the network? Uh, they can find me here now, but also on Twitter at Steve Kaufman. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I'm also staying in the building and watching SmackDown Live, which is a wrestling show, which I'm probably not going to tweet this link because I don't want to split my audience. <laughs> That's a great point. No, I know. it's uh, You know what? You're there to make SmackDown great again. And Chelsea, where do people find you? At Chelsea Glacia. And we will find all of you back here next Tuesday. Scott will be back. Tamara will be back. We don't know. Who else will be here? We'll find out. But uh, until then, uh, have, a, have a good one. Thanks for everybody. For- From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later! Herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.